Welcome to season four. Our theme is themes. We're going to spend seven episodes digging into how to understand your client's work better. You know, being highly present in the moment is essential in play therapy. But when you shift to that analytical side of your brain and try to capture what happened for your progress notes, what do you write? How do you talk to your parents about the client's work while maintaining a safe space for their child's work? And probably the biggest question for new practitioners is, how do you look like a mental health professional when you spend a therapy session playing with kids? Oh sure, we know that play therapy works, but parents, supervisors, and other stakeholders may need more than that. And honestly, I need something more tangible than that. If you want to understand your clients better, sound intelligent when explaining play and therapy, and guide older clients to deeper wound healing, then you are going to love season four. This season, we are talking about themes in play therapy. Play themes give us a concrete way to conceptualize what the client is showing us, how they are progressing in treatment, and what needs they are trying to meet. It also gives you a framework for catching all the information that your client is tossing at you. So let's learn more about play themes together. Glad you are back for episode 22. This season, we are talking about play themes, but we are grouping them into four categories, what I call core needs. This helps because when you are in a session, you can remember the four categories, and then you can tease out the more specific themes. If you haven't already, listen to episode 20 on safety and security play themes, and episode 21, which is part one to this one. Today, I want to share with you a few more themes that fall into the empowerment and control core need category. If you remember from the last episode, this category is about being able to order your life and have agency in it. It's about being empowered and having some sort of control over what happens. Since this doesn't always happen, and many of our clients have experienced times of clearly being overpowered or unable to make decisions that impact them, this need has been compromised and the client will need to do repair work. That's their work. The first theme then that I want to talk about is chaos and instability. The themes I'm sharing today and a few in later episodes are from Dr. D. Ray's Advanced Play Therapy book. This is my favorite section of her book. The first time I really started to conceptualize client work through themes, it marked a significant shift in the way I did play therapy. Now, what I'm about to share with you is my own understanding of themes she outlines. She might not claim them or agree with my conclusions, but I love to share helpful resources, and her book is a good one. I use it as the text in my advanced play therapy classes. Back to chaos and instability. I'm sure you've worked with clients who live in chaos. Maybe it is a disorderly physical space or drama-filled relationships or uncertainty after natural disaster. Maybe the adults in a child's life act more like children or they move often or a caretaker is very sick. 
you can see how any of those situations could feel very out of control, especially for a child. The client's play behaviors may show you how chaotic they understand their environment to be, how chaotic they feel. This theme is usually the client showing you what it is like for them, and the next two themes are attempts to cope with it. Revenge is the next theme. Revenge is one way to claim some control, and it feels very powerful. You may see this theme combined with or closely following the previous theme, but what is underneath is a desire to feel powerful in an attempt to be empowered. They aren't the same, but for some, feeling powerful is better than being powerless, even if it isn't empowered. Don't be distracted by what is expressed as a desire to hurt someone else, sometimes in graphic ways. The underlying need is to have some power and control. The last theme that may be related to empowerment and control is nurturing. As always, you want to assess the true core need because nurturing can certainly point to safety and security, inner value, or relationship core needs too. But here, I want to consider nurturing as a way to meet the empowerment and control core need. So one example that I've seen is an oldest sibling taking on much of the caretaking when a caregiver can't. It might be a way to keep the family together, avoid the authorities or children's services from getting involved, or it may be to protect a caregiver. When you see this, it's about controlling what is possible when many things are not directly in control for the client. For those of you who work with adolescents and adults, this core need may have been activated in childhood, and they've had years of trying to meet the need. You may also have had a client who has recently had the need activated, such as suddenly being furloughed, forced to quarantine, or not being able to follow through on plans and goals. Any trauma experience can trigger feeling out of control and disempowered, regardless of the age when it happens. I've got a few more tidbits I want to share with you, but let's hear another interesting book review first. Back by popular demand, Rachel Sellers offers summaries of the literature that shape our profession. This season, she has selected Seven Essential Books for Every Play Therapist Library. Rachel works in private practice and is experienced with children and adolescents using play therapy. Let's hear which book she has selected this week. Today, I want to introduce you to a book that was actually the very first book I ever read on play therapy. It is called Dibs in Search of Self, written by Virginia Axline, psychologist and play therapy pioneer. In fact, so much of the more current play therapy approaches were built off of her work and the Axline principles. Dibs in Search of Self is a story about hope and healing. It exposes the reality that so many traumatized children in our world face. The experience of being labeled, 
even by their parents, as a behavior problem or out of control, mentally defective or psychotic. This book reminded me, as many have, how important it is for therapists to abdicate for our clients, to be their voice when it has been taken from them, and to step into family systems and reframe the problem-saturated narrative that they may have about their child. Throughout the book, Axline gives her readers almost a play-by-play of each session she has with her client named Dibs. I read this book prior to beginning my clinical experience, and I found the scripts of her interactions with Dibs to be really helpful. She gives so many examples of strong reflections and explains her intentions and motivations for guiding each session the way that she does. I found this enormously helpful as a new clinician. There's a story Axline shares about a duck and a sand mountain, and I want to share it with you. Dibs comes to see her for a play therapy session, and he quickly notices that what he had built in the prior session has been deconstructed and put away. Axline reflects that Dibs wanted it there, and someone moved it, but that she didn't promise him that it would remain the same. It's gone, Dibs says. Axline responds, and you feel angry and disappointed because of it, don't you? Dibs nods yes. Axline reflects on this experience with Dibs, stating, What would ultimately help Dibs the most was not the sand mountain, not the powerful little plastic duck, but the feeling of security and adequacy that they symbolized in the creation he had built last week. Now faced with the disappearance of the concrete symbols, I hoped that he could experience within himself confidence and adequacy as he coped now with his disappointment and realization that things outside of ourselves change, and many times we have little control over those elements. But if we learn to utilize our inner resources, we carry our security around with us. I'm going to reread that last sentence. If we learn to utilize our inner resources, we carry our security around with us. What she wanted for Dibs to know is that he had what it takes, the strength and the adequacy to deal with his feelings of disappointment. What awed me the most throughout this book was Axline's unwavering belief that what Dibs needed most already existed inside of him. Yes, he needed to develop strength to cope with his external world. And yes, her work with Dibs was deeply meaningful. But from the beginning of their work together, Axline stayed true to her conviction that what Dibs needed the most was to find his way back to himself, back to his dignity, self-respect, and ultimately, his feelings of worthiness. If you are one of our faithful listeners, you've already heard me talk about the importance of a good therapeutic relationship grounded in empathy, genuineness, and unconditional positive regard. You've also heard me say, reflect, reflect, reflect. That's my answer to what you do when you identify empowerment and control core needs with a client. I'll have some more practical suggestions coming up in future episodes for those of you who want something more concrete. 
But as I wrap up this episode, I want to talk to you, the therapist, for a minute. It's likely that while we were talking about clients' play themes, that you identified something in yourself, or maybe you will in the next few episodes. Since we all have these needs, and you have your own hurts and wounds too, this may be unsettling or triggering. Hear this. You are not disqualified from doing this kind of therapeutic work because you don't have all your own stuff resolved. If that were the case, I wouldn't be qualified to do counseling, to teach, or to record this podcast. Neither would anyone who has taught you or counseled you. Let me tell you a secret. Well, it's no secret if you've ever taken a class with me, but here it is. I believe that our hurt places can be our biggest strengths. Those very places that still hurt when touched with things like this podcast are how you learn compassion, empathy, and hard lessons about pain. Without them, you would be unrelatable as a counselor. So maybe, for example, you are a perfectionist because it puts you more in control now. You're not trying to control others, but you can be ruthless with yourself. If this is you, I bet that very quality helped you to get to and then through grad school. But it also added a lot of negative feelings along the way. Maybe that attempt to meet your needs has cost you relationships and held you back. That's what often happens when we try to meet our needs from an unhealthy place. Controlling is better than out of control even if it doesn't fully meet that need for healthy control. And isn't that what perfectionism is? What I just did was to attempt a reframing strategy. Now, I haven't found that this works well without a relationship marked by unconditional positive regard, but maybe it was helpful to a couple of you. The more you trust me and believe me when I tell you that your attempt to take care of yourself something like perfectionism, is your best effort at meeting a deep need, the more you may trust a reframe of that behavior. I hope that you heard some encouragement in this. We all have our stuff. Some of us are further along in our healing than others, but wounds still leave scars. I like to think of mine as street cred. It's the experience I draw from. I trust that yours can do that for you too. A big thank you for the kind words to those who've taken time to review our little podcast. I'm so glad that you find it helpful and inspiring. For those of you that haven't done so yet, please join these gracious reviewers by taking two minutes to give us five stars or whatever you think is honest, but those are our favorites. Also, write a sentence or two to let us know what you liked best in this podcast. This helps others find us when they search. You can also share it on your social media, too. I hope this episode helped you better understand and conceptualize what your clients tell you through the themes of their play. Let us know what you thought. Contact us at playtherapypodcast at gmail.com 
and visit our website at playtherapypodcast.org. You can also follow me on Instagram at playtherapy with Dr. Denise. Remember, I don't have an E at the end of Denise. Thanks to all you subscribers in our playful tribe. We wouldn't do this without you or the incredible talents of book reviewer Rachel Sellers, audio engineer Sheldon Clark, production assistant Kara Allison, and songwriter Sarah Beth Goh. This podcast is funded through the Lipscomb University Center for Play Therapy and Expressive Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Denise Thomas. Now go play, create, and heal. so much to say and not a lot of words I'll come along and believe that your song isn't broken soon you're going to see that you've got what you Soon you're going to see that you've got